Welcome to this podcast edition of Restorative Justice on the Rise, which is a live broadcast via web and telephone, often including audiovisuals with some of the world's leading way showers, people involved in very important work on the ground across a wide range of the restorative justice field, as well as indigenous peacemaking and peace building. For more information about this work and all of the archives, go to restorativejusticeontherise.org. And it's really my pleasure as your host to present to you this podcast, which features the work of Eric Butler and Cassidy Freeman, whose new documentary, Circles, is receiving a lot of honors. They are also going around the country at this time and inviting people to bring them to their communities. So for more information about Circles and about the work that they're doing and to bring them to your community, go to circlesmovie.com. Enjoy this really deep dive that we took on this episode with them. Thank you for your participation and see you next time. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Restorative Justice on the Rise. I'm your host, Molly Rowan Leach, and I'm so pleased to have you here with us today. Can't wait to introduce you to our guests. We've got two of them today representing an extraordinary and really important film called Circles. So welcome. If it's your first time here on our series, we're using a teleseminar platform that also can be accessed by webcast. That means that if you have questions today, and we hope that you will, um, we're looking forward to dialoguing with you throughout today's session. So if you have a web question, you'll see there's a, a window pane next to the player where you might be listening in on the webcast. Feel free to use that for any questions that arise in the moment or pre-submit them however you would like to do it. We really want to engage with you today. If you're in the telephone um, space of this broadcast, please press star 2 on your keypad in order to raise your hand. And I think Cassidy and Eric would really love it if you would be um, able to just do that anytime throughout today. We'll try and get to all calls, or excuse me, all questions, and um, get into some, some conversation with you at certain points throughout the hour. So again, without further ado, of course, we, we today have uh, Eric Butler and Cassidy Friedman with us um, from the extraordinary documentary Circles. And Circles has been featured and um, acknowledged and honored by Hot Docs and many others. And uh, before I share a little bit about the director's statement that Cassidy has written in the press kit here that comes with the, the film, I'd like to just share a little bit about each of them individually. So I'll, I'll go ahead and start with Eric. Um, Eric actually has been on Restorative Justice on the Rise Many years ago, I have followed and tracked him personally in his work as a restorative justice Hello. coordinator. And he's in, oh, great. You're in the room, Eric. Um, hey, great, what's up? Thank I'm you. Sorry. 
So, what, Eric, we're going to come right back to you. I'm going to go ahead and introduce you um, and just give a little more information before we get into the dialogue. So, um, Eric's a restorative justice educator and activist, and he's a Hurricane Katrina survivor. He relocated to Oakland, California, where he rebuilt a new life. Um, he successfully facilitated grief circles in response to homicide and extreme violence in area schools as part of Catholic Charities Crisis Response Program. He also worked as a lead mediator with Youth Uprising, where he mediated conflicts on the ground in Oakland neighborhoods and schools. Eric was first introduced to the world of activism as a child, joining Selma, Alabama's 21st Century Leadership Camp with his mentor, Ted Quant, where he was involved in unfair education protests and sit-ins and learned a lot about politics and social injustice happening in America. There's much more to Eric's bio. He, he also was a lead um, coordinator for restorative justice for Oakland youth. I believe the film gives us a really deep peek into his work in West Oakland. Um, and he also, right now, along with Cassidy, whom I'm going to introduce to you in a, a moment, is about to embark on a na nationwide tour with this film. And it includes, I believe, quite a bit of listening and dialogue with people on the ground in their communities. So I, I would like to say up front, if you would like to bring Circles and Eric and Cassidy to your community, please go to circlesmovie.com and to the contact tab. You're going to be looking for Zakia Scott um, to talk to her about bringing them to your community. And, of course, Eric and Cassidy will say more about that in a moment. Um, so, Eric, I didn't mean to mute you out here, but I just want to welcome you, and I'd like to just um, pause for a moment and, uh, you know, like I said, we'll go into the dialogue here. But I wanted to share about Cassidy, too. So, <laughs> um, Cassidy, Cassidy Friedman is the director of this incredible film, and he has um, quite a background in many forms of media, um, most recently, um, of course, in film, but he also has been an award-winning journalist. He's worked with um, a feature documentary, um, Voices Beyond the Wall, which was from 2017 with executive producer James Franco, and that had its world premiere at the Miami International Film Festival and received glowing reviews in the Hollywood Reporter winning Best Documentary Feature at St. Louis and the Frank Little Award for Self-Sacrifice and Social Change at Covalite International Film Festival. He, like I said earlier, founded a production company, Stories Matter Media, and has directed a score of documentary shorts including Unstill Life, an official selection of the 2014 Long Island International Film Expo and the SoCal Creative and Innovative Film Festival. There's so much more to Cassidy and, of course, to Eric. And instead of reading bios, let's get to know them a little bit more today together. And like I said, start to, to ask questions, get involved in the dialogue, and um, also to submit a webcast question, just do so in the pane next to the webcast player that you might be listening into right now. So a warm 
just honoring welcome to both of you, Eric and Cassidy. I've got both your mics live. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I think I'd like to start out just by, um, as I, I was talking with uh, Cassidy in the green room, I think the framework of this film is really beautifully summed up in the director's statement that is um, that, that Cassidy has written. So I'm going to go ahead and, and share that with everyone, and then we'll go into some, some conversation. Cassidy writes, Circles tells the story of Eric Butler, a restorative justice coordinator who believes that by deepening communication and building trust with students at a continuation high school in Oakland, California, problems can be more easily and justly resolved. The film focuses on Eric's struggle to do what few adults ever do with kids, to assume positive intent and learn where behavior stems from by being in conversation. We see him doing this masterfully at work and less effectively at home with his 15-year-old son, Trey. This duality, his public success versus his personal struggle, intensifies throughout the film, drawing the viewer ever deeper into Eric's world. As the son of a highly regarded mediator, I know firsthand how challenging it can be to facilitate real dialogue and to bring that consciousness home, even for the pros. Dad, known internationally as the father of mediation for his work, often failed to apply the values of his work at home. So when I heard about the nascent restorative justice movement, movement and its aspirations to, quote, shift our culture from punishing wrongdoing to responses that reduce harm, unquote, I wanted to tell the complicated story that I knew was underlying these words, and I wanted to share that story with educators, kids, and their parents. Through Fanya Davis, who runs an organization called Restorative Justice for Oakland Youth, I was introduced to her then employee, Eric, and immediately drawn to his approach and passionate work style. I developed a deep and trusting relationship with an amazing character who was seeking to embody the movement's aspirations and to truly ground himself in practicing what he was preaching. I did not set out to make a film about restorative justice in schools or the experiences of the black students and families in Oakland, but in the course of making this film, it became clear that race and relationships were integral parts of telling Eric's story. Just as unavoidable was asking whether Eric's style and approach are consistent with the mainstream definition of, quote, restorative practices. With the power to heal through accountability, restorative justice, as defined by this profoundly human story, has the possibility to span beyond school and court systems, burn down the vestiges of white supremacy, and build a society where safety and learning are truly at the center. So that's your direct statement, Cassidy, and I, I just think that's a profound statement. Would you like to add to that at all? Um, uh, it, you know, it's strange hearing somebody else um, read it. <laughs> it's the first time I've heard somebody else read it. It's just been kind of in my mind as, you know, does that adequately summarize? And I think it still holds up the only thing um, 
it still holds up now that the film is completed and um and and we're touring with it i think um and um yeah i think um i think i i think that yeah that i i don't think there's anything for me to add to that what about you eric anything um, to add not to a, that? i think that i think that quote sums it up um there's a lot of twists and turns in the movie um but it stays on track with it with with, with it being um in a circle just the same way life is Cassidy really put his heart in, in, into this movie so um the um him relating it to his own life his own personal experiences is is right on time because it, it is about a complete circle it's, it's about a complete circle of 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 life if you will um how how we interact with each other and and get to the same spot every single time and um we keep doing the same things over and over and wondering how we keep getting to the same spot <laughs> which which mm-hmm. I think is the clinical definition of insanity um <laughs> and this um this this film pulls that out and it shows the interruption of that and 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 the simple things that we have to do to interrupt that that cycle and create a different type of circle um and you see the old circle and how it how it circles around and end up into this spot um of darkness and Cassie was somehow um able to show the possibilities of this same circle being um restored into a new circle where um there, there's no ending. There's a continuum in this circle, and that continuum is constantly seeking out ways to do better work um, and, and, and be in better community with each other. Mm. Now, now, now you Eric, know why I'm the one behind the camera and he's the one in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eric, you know, I've been really admiring of your work for many years, and one of the things that I've noticed is it appears to be very alive, at least in the North American region, is this thing called Tier 1 practices Mm. in schools. And I know Mm. we're going to come back to talking a little bit more about the film before we go into some other questions Mm. and stuff, but can you, Mm. would you be willing to share about what that means for, for people here today? What is a tier okay. one practice? And I know you're so, really so, good at it. So, <laughs> so and, and I know you're really good at tier here, one practices. That I, I think that's probably. And and you know what? It's interesting that you would say that is because I kind of don't know how good I am at the other tiers because tier one being the um, the tier of restorative justice. There's three tiers. One of them being the first one is community building, the second one being um, conflict mediation, um, conflict resolution, and the third one being um, intensive support, um, intentional conversation. Um, so one and three are kind of connected, and if you can do one really, really good, you seldom have to go to two, which is the conflict mediation. But um, conflicts happen. Um, they happen kind of organically. Um Tier one is is really, really serious, and, and on its face, it just kind of looks like we're in conversation every so often in a circle. Um, this circle is decorated. It has everything that you want um, 
to entice you to, into having this conversation. The circle has steps. Um, so you can erase all of that because tier one is actually really about building intentional relationships, um, doing whatever we have to do in order to make those relationships real. And um, real enough for an environment like a school means changing things um, as far as the way we've been communicating, which is not at all. Um, so, and regaining trust because if, if, if you walk around people all the time and you're not communicating with them, it's going to be hard to trust you. So um, tier one is about building those relationships and understanding that um, in these relationships, there's going to be people that are not like you um, and, and finding a reason to build those relationships anyway, which is um, have, having empathy. All of those things, um, all, all of things that fit inside your value system are going to be the things that you have to use in order to build these intentional relationships. So it's bigger than just you got to build relationships. Um, and it's, there's actually things that you can do to make these things um, happen. Mm. Yeah, it's just, um, it's. I can't wait to hear more throughout today with you on that because it, it appears that Tier 1 practices, you know, this foundation and the, of building trust, of listening. Um, technical difficulties on our end here in Colorado. Anyway, um, I'm still here with you, Eric and Cassidy. Mm -hmm. Are you there, guys? We're still here. Okay. Yeah, Wonderful. we're here. All right, great. Thanks for your patience. So um, I think what I was getting at, Eric, was wanting to ask mm -hmm. you about the origins of the film. Um, do you do you recall like your first meeting with with Cassidy and what what was that like and did you guys know right away um, that you wanted to, to make this film? That's that's a really good question. Um, the first time that I met Cassidy and I don't remember verbatim, but I but I know my personality. So um, <laughs> I, I, thinking that thinking that there's going to be this really, really pure thing that we're doing where we're getting kids to open up um, and and have these really intentional conversations that they've never had before and noticing that that is the thing that's um, that's helping them succeed in school, not getting suspended and, um, and, and really talking about their anger and really flushing out some of those really intimate stuff about themselves. Um, meeting Cassidy with a camera, it's at an at a all-black school was like, I don't think this is going to be a good idea. It, it, it kind of um, <laughs> it, 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 it kind of defeats the purpose. It, it doesn't um, coincide in what we're trying to do. Um, and, and sure, it makes sense to tell the rest of the world, but um, I, I'm definitely thinking about what damage it's going to um, do short-term um, or uh, are long-term to these kids who, who may be sharing their stories. And will this white boy even understand what's going on? Um, does he even care? Because, I mean, he's just a dude behind the camera. So um, I ultimately didn't think that it would be a good idea to share restorative justice um, through that lens. It was brand new, 
but I did so I didn't know what lens we would um we would be able to share it through. Um so wrestling with those two ideas, um, we had to come up with an alternative. And I think Cassidy can speak to um the alternative that we discussed. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, you know, from from my end, um there was no question that I would want to make a film about uh, restorative justice. And, you know, you can tell from, from my uh, director's statement, from my bio, that, um, that, that a, a love and a passion for this type of work is just in my bones. And when I looked around and I saw there weren't films about restorative justice in schools, and there really weren't that many mainstream films at all about restorative justice. And here was this guy who seemed to kind of be the golden hands of the restorative justice movement, and he was extremely charismatic, and he was doing circles every single day. Um, so the big question for me was, would he let me? Would he let me film him? And uh, just as big is, would, would the students let me? Um, and I think that's how I was thinking back then. It's like, will they let me? Like, how far can I go? Um, how much access will people grant me before they decide mm -hmm. to um, say enough is enough? And what was so incredible about working with Eric is, for him, it's everything boils down to relationship building. And everything has to be a two-way street. Um, and so... Um, really early on, he started kind of getting to know me, and, and that was, you know, mostly off camera, but sometimes on camera too, um, and sort of uh, figuring out who, who I am, um, not as a filmmaker, but as a person. And um, along those lines, you know, I, I started feeling really comfortable with him in the same way that he makes everybody else feel comfortable. I felt like I could tell him anything, and I did. Um, and uh, he kind of made me regret it <laughs> because because at one point along the way, we were talking about things that really caused deep shame in us. And I said, well, you know, here's the thing that, that causes the deepest shame for me. And I told him in confidence, you know, like choking back tears and thinking I was half crazy for even sharing it with him. And he says, okay, now we're going to have to share that. He gets all excited. He says, now we're going to share that with the entire school. And that was not appealing at all to me, you know. Um, like, it was just like, it felt like almost like a betrayal. Um, and, and he says, well, isn't that what you're asking these kids to do with your documentary? And it was like... <laughs> <laughs> it was that moment, that moment, you know, where um, it was like, if you're going to take, you're going to have to give too. And um, and if you do that, and he was so right about this, it will no longer feel mm -hmm. like it's giving and taking, but that we're all in this together and we're all just people with stories. Mm -hmm. So without Cassidy telling this, without Cassidy telling his story and whatever story it is, um he he remains a person just behind um a camera which means he kind of becomes a part of the camera he's not even a person anymore um and once we start 
um, building relationships, and you'll probably hear a lot of this throughout the, this conversation, um, we, we, we knock down those walls of assumptions because we don't have to assume anymore because we've already talked about that thing. Um, the, the things that make Cassidy sh- uh, ashamed is only a small portion of who he is. Um, but, but noticing how even that small portion takes up so much space in our life that we can't express it. And once that comes off of us, it becomes easier. Um, and, 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 it, and just talking about shame, and there's so many other elements of building relationships that we do authentically with people that we like or, or, or people that we think we like. There, there's so many examples of relationships that some of the listeners or even us, definitely, um, the relationships that we're in right now that we have to make excuses to continue to be in. And it, and those reasons are for artificial reasons. Maybe they have a the mustache that you like, or um, this person um, goes to church, but every single thing in their life outside of that is horrible. But so we make excuses to continue these relationships. Um, in restorative justice, the only thing that we do that's um, I don't know if it's even amazing, is we foster um, a reality that makes us want to be in these relationships. And once we want to be in these relationships, we make excuses to stay in them. So a, a, a kid cussing me out is no longer a reason for me to want to kick him out of my community. I want to do something else um, because we're in a relationship. He's not just a number anymore. And I think that Cassidy um, created a space for him to be able to uh, to sit comfortably with the kids because he was willing to share pieces of himself. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cassidy, you're in your – thank you, Eric. Thank you so much. Um, Cassidy, in your director's statement, you – you shared that uh, I believe you were referring to yourself, obviously, that your father was considered like this big um, father of mediation, and and yeah. yet um, it wasn't practiced at home. So I, I'm just wondering in in the process of being behind the camera and also being willing to be vulnerable, as Eric has just described, even though resistant at first. What did you learn? What what did you observe about um, your own personal journey growing up in your own household, and and then um, you know anything that may have transformed for you if you're willing to share that? Because uh, of I mean, the, how could I? How could I the not? Production. <laughs> how, how could we set it up this way and then we not share? Um, but no, I'm happy. I'm happy to. Um, and in fact, one, the, it's the one thing I don't like about my director's statement is it puts um, all the all the kind of moral responsibility uh, on my dad. Um, and I think that he is just like everybody in the sense that he has um, blind spots too. Even though he's so good and intentional about what he does, um, there's a way in which it because he's so uh, aware and conscious 
when he, when he doesn't get it, when he misses something, it's more shocking than when somebody else would um, because he's able to sort of be, you know, take in full scenes and pick up on subtle cues that other people miss. And then he comes home and in our home, it, it almost always had to do with um, the different treatment between the way he was with me as his biological son and, and my sister, who's his biological daughter, and my half-brother, who is not his um, uh, – or my, both of my half-brothers who are not his biological children. Um, and it's like he doesn't – he's not even aware or he's not been – it's always been shocking to me how he's not been aware how differently he's treating them than he treats me. And as a result, because I feel it, because they're my biological brothers, they're my half-brothers, and I love them, and I love him fully. And so being in that web of relationships has caused me a tremendous amount of pain growing up and, and to feel, um, like, really, really guilty and and even sometimes get really angry with my dad. Like, how can you not see how you're hurting them? Um, like, how could you do that to my brother? And... And and so that but but again that 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 treats it um, too much like it's it's just a problem of the way that I was raised and I I'm not owning any responsibility. I think what changed for me in making this film was um, was 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 huge. Um, I grew up in you know in the Bay Area um, feeling really good about myself and the Bay Area and feeling like we don't always get it right. But fundamentally, we're, we're, uh, we're, you know, an area that's filled with progressive people who care deeply, um, whose values are explicitly, you know, about, you know, kind of exemplify that care, um, and who believe in things like racial equity, and, and none of whom would consider themselves a racist. And, um, and, and I, you know, I, can, I in, included myself in that, in that group. And then I made this film. And I, I spent all this time really, really close with Eric and really close with his son, Trey, and um, to also really close with some of the students. But they were really my primary points of contact. It was like I was almost living with them um, for extended periods of time and, and really getting to see how different the experience of being black in the Bay Area is um, mm -hmm. than it is to be white here. And um, seeing how horribly racist um, the Bay Area is, and um, and then trying to pick apart, well, who's to blame for that? Um, and 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 getting furious when cops arrested Eric's son Trey while we were filming. Um, you know, during production, I didn't actually film the arrest, but they arrested him for basically being black in public. And how how could that have happened? And it must have been the guy who 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 called the cops um, and reported them. Um, and then it was like, no, it was the cops' fault. Um, and then you know the cops arrested him. They threw him in jail. Um, and then he was beaten by jail guards. So it's, it was a jail guard's mm. fault. And then the judge um, kept him in jail for mm -hmm. 13 days even when his dad was banging on, on the courthouse door saying, mm -hmm. let my son out. This is my work that I do. You're literally destroying him right now. You're breaking him. He's 15 years old. He has no priors. 
and you're not letting this father who is a well-respected member of this community in to, in to get his, his child out. And um, so then I was, I was furious with the judge. And um, mm-hmm. bit by bit, what happened was um, realizing that um, the system is us. Um, and and that and 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 the most kind of harsh way in which that that realization hit me was about halfway through through making this film, I had my own son, um, Kalen, um, who's now who's now three years old, and juxtaposing the life that Kalen is leading next to the life that Trey is leading. And the things that Kalen's going to get, and the way that he's going to be viewed, and the ways that the, and the benefits that Trey is excluded from, um, mm-hmm. it's like it puts the blood on my hand um, as as, mm-hmm. as a member of the system that is hurting Trey, this kid who I now mm-hmm. have a relationship with and care deeply about, and I'm recognizing that guess what, my dad trained half the judges that are incarcerating black boys. Um, my dad trains the, the 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 lawyers, who most of whom in the Bay Area consider themselves very um, you know anti-racist and progressive, but they're the they're the ones who are prosecuting um, children, um, and 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 we're all part of this horribly inequitable system um, that is elevating us and hurting. Of people of color in in the Bay Area, and I, 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 as long as I live here, I'm a participant in that, um, and that's that that hurts, and it hurts specifically because every day I I see Eric and Trey, I look them in the eyes, and how mm-hmm. can I love them and not feel terrible about this situation? Well, you and, and, and you know that that's I, where I, I wanted to go to. Well, uh, okay, <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, but I, I did. Yeah, want to I wanted. I wanted that. you guys to open up the implicit bias conversation today. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> okay, oh, we'll, 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 we'll go there. <laughs> we can go there. Um, we already are. <laughs> I, yeah, there. <laughs> um, I just wanted to add that right now is um, probably the highlight moment of my life. Um, like the 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 most exciting, greatest payoff that I could ever imagine of having worked so hard side by side with Eric and Trey and, and Mercedes, who's another um, a, a character in the film, um, and we worked so hard, and now is the time that we get to go all over the world, um, feeling a deep sense of satisfaction for for this hard work that we've done, and what's been so alarming is that even now still with um this film under our belt and 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 um and and this deep sense of satisfaction is Eric and I and Trey travel together and we get treated differently everywhere we go and I'm I'm feeling like here I, I get to travel around with these movie stars. <laughs> um and and these these incredible people and Eric is you know what I consider to be one of the the rising stars of his generation just a genuine hero, and to see the way that I get treated versus them is it, it it's like even now um, 
it, it, it's, it's actually a pretty painful experience with us traveling around together side by side, noticing how people regard him and the way that they regard me. And, and, and it's like we're constantly struggling to hold on to the love and the relationship that we have um, against this world kind of trying to interfere with it. And part of that comes up from things that I do that upset them and that I'm not even aware of. So it's like this constant rebalancing just to be okay. Hmm. Wow. Do you do you have anything you'd like to add around if you know just in general to white people um about their <laughs> this privilege is the moment. and implicit, <laughs> implicit bias? Uh, I mean, you've right just led us through something pretty powerful there, Cassidy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, actually Guys, um this is the moment. Hear? Hello? I'm still here. You're good. Okay. Okay. The, 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 all right. So, yeah. Actually, this is the moment where um, where conversations happen and um, and white folks start teaching each other. Um, so, as far as what Cassidy had to say, he said it all. There's there's nothing to add to that. Um, I can feel it. Um, there was one thing that Cassidy said um, before um, Caitlin was born, and Trey was going through. Um, through the thing with the courts. Um, and, and the way that thing happened was sort of the same way it happens on, on social media. Um, they, they, they're making this big post about this lady who called the cops on these guys that were barbecuing. Um, and that thing didn't go well. It went viral. So people saw it and made fun of her. Um, so it, it kind of had the opposite effect. But this thing wasn't recorded. Um, Trey was asked. Trey, Trey asked someone, "Could they use his phone?" And 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 this guy starts screaming. It's like, "Please don't rob me!" Somebody else sees that happening. Trey's walking off in confusion, and um, somebody else calls the cops. And the cops pull up and just arrest him. They assume that he's guilty, and um, they assume that whoever called and with their accent. Um, they must have been um, a pretty good person, um, and they're making um, a, a citizens. They're doing what citizens should do, and Trey's automatically guilty. And, and, and why is that so? And we can discuss all types of. Did he was he wearing his pants below his behind? Of course he was. He's 15 years old. Um, did he have a, Did he have on a hoodie? Probably so. Um, he that's how he dresses. Um, but Cassidy said, while we were going through this thing, and I was going to court and um, trying everything that I could do to get my son out of jail, in a fit of rage, not not even rage, but in a conversation, Cassidy says, "This would never happen if I had a son." And he wasn't saying it in a way where he was educating us. He was just speaking about how he felt. Um. But that was absolutely true. Um, his dad would get, would have gotten involved. Um, that would have that would have caused an uproar. Before the uproar happened, they would have let that kid out of jail, um, and then life would have uh, um, continued as normal, which is which is the the 
which I think is the handle of of white supremacy. Um, white people are usually outraged when things happen to them, but as soon as that thing is resolved, it's like it never happened. And of course, it never happened because I am a part of this thing called white privilege. Um, when I get stopped by the police, <clears throat> um, I'm afraid for my life, and and literally. And whenever I say this to white people, um, they're saying, oh, come on, you're afraid for your life? These guys are here to protect us. But my experiences has taught me something different. The first time I've ever seen a gun, and I grew up in a desired housing projects where guns were um, appreciated. Um, but the first time I ever saw a gun, it was being pointed at me by a white police officer, by several of them. And I was maybe 10 years old. Um, the fact that this thing happens every time and for me to tell this story would be wowing to anybody is, is the mark of white privilege of your life. Um, it's, it, it's horrifying um, to think that Cassidy and I could somehow not be friends because of that divide and, and how we were treated, how we're treated differently and how we're treated um, so different that our experiences can't be alike, so we can't have anything in common. It's almost impossible for Cassidy to empathize with me because he cannot put himself in my shoes. We even have to change the definition of what empathy means in order for Cassidy to be able to empathize with me and me with him because um, I'm just, I'm the guy with, without the privilege. Um, I mean, and, and having all of that privilege takes, takes, takes away a lot of other stuff from your, um, from your values. Eric, Eric, did you? Thank you. I just, I think what what we're sharing right now deserves to drop um, deeply with everyone who's tuned in. Um, I, I wonder, and I'm curious to know from either of you um, about what Cassidy shared. To me, when I was listening to, listening to you, I felt like you were living something. Um, and what Eric just said about empathy, I think that's very poignant, Eric. And um, you know how uh, how much further can someone go other than doing what Cassidy did? Um, being there, basically living um, with you guys, being in your lives, and then also being present for that atrocity with Trey. Mm -hmm. Does right, that so make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And and and, and what Cassidy Cassidy wasn't living in our house. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, right. I know. But <laughs> right. But um, <laughs> but, but uh, Cassidy was doing a job. But what he was doing that was different was he was empathizing. And, and, and empathy is 
is not only putting yourself in somebody's shoes because you often can't do that. Oftentimes, those sho- those shoes belong to another person for a reason because they only can fit that person. But but empathy is um is is trying to understand what you may never understand, what you consciously know you may never understand this thing, and you do it anyway. That type of empathy um, creates a visual compassion where I'm not just saying I'm compassionate or it it don't even sound right to say, well, I'm compassionate toward this, but to to see a compassion is is an odd thing. And, And the thing is, we can definitely see when somebody's not compassionate. But when we see when somebody is, it almost makes you want to cry. And when I think about compassion, I think about, um, and and before even compassion, empathy. When I think about empathy, I think about in the 1960s when um, when Martin Luther King was um, had this had this great idea to let the kids get eaten up by dogs, so the media can cover it and the rest of the world can see uh and and, and 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 let's see what happens in this situation. The only thing that could happen is folks all over the world who's never seen this thing before are first of all shocked and disgusted, but second of all, cannot put myself in, in her your shoes because if I did the exact same thing that they did, the same treatment wouldn't happen to me. So I'm not on equal playing field. But um, I understand. I understand. And I understand so much that whatever I can do within my within my power, I'm going to do that. So when Martin Luther King made a call mm-hmm. to clergy to march with him side by side, that was a thing that they could do to visually show compassion. So compassion can be visible. And compassion is kind of like um, – Chicken pox. <laughs> it's, it's, it's contagious. <laughs> once, 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 once you see, once you see compassion in its, once you see mm-hmm. compassion moving, it moves you, and what you mm. do with that feeling you get is completely up to you. But you feel that thing when you watch television, and and something moving happens. Um, I, I watch a show called This Is Us, and every single week I want to do something about about racial um, um, equity and, 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 and that kind of stuff. Uh, it, and, and, and this film definitely does that, but when we're talking about white and, and we live so far apart because we create these assumptions about each other um, and compassion is, is – is, rarely seen. Um, in fact, we get visuals of the exact opposite. And since we always get them, and it's always been getting these visuals, I have no other choice but to assume that um, it's not by chance. Mm. I'm really grateful for, for this this 
part of the conversation, and I hate to actually um, shift it because we're going mm-hmm. somewhere with this, guys. Thank you. Um, yeah. But I, I definitely well, want to leave time. You got my phone number now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I definitely, I, first of all, I want to thank everybody. I want to pause for a moment and thank everybody who's registered and participating today. Um, for for just being here and for supporting this film and to remind you and maybe you guys could chime in here if someone wants to bring circles to their community that's what you guys are embarking on right now um, is screenings and so could you tell us a little bit more about what you're up to um, what does it entail who who to contact that sort of thing yeah um, so, so right now, Eric and I are, um, we we're, like, we're, it's, it's my first time experiencing what it's like to be like a, a musician on tour. We are going wherever the demand is and hoping that the demand is everywhere. And so far it has been. So like, uh, on, we, we, we've been traveling, uh, we had a little bit of a break. On Friday, we're um, we're going to be traveling to something like 13 cities across North America. Um, we're we're so excited to have that interaction where we get to talk about the film and share, but also like as you mentioned, listen what's coming up for people here and now. One of I think that the 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 the, the misinformation that's out there about restorative justice is sort of uniformly out there. Um, the, the kind of the misapprehensions about it, um, of where its edges are. And we love to talk about the edge of restorative justice or where people perceive that edge to be. And so um, this film, wherever we go, what we do is we start with a screening, either at a film festival or, um, you know, a community member or a community organization or a partnership of community members or organizations have have uh, invited us into their community and hosted a screening. And then we'll usually kind of, um, as soon as the lights come up, we'll have a conversation. And and the conversation is as important as the watching of the film um, because each time the film tends to trigger or actually universally triggers these this this kind of this rawness, this a, a collective shared sense of what's not working, and not just in our schools, but society wide, because we all sort of feel um, the same problems. Um, you know, when we watch, for example, the Kavanaugh hearings, um, it's the same thing when we when we watch Circles, um, and we get past the polarization. We talk about the real meat of the issues, and then Eric will facilitate a community building circle. Um, where the community is really invited to take ownership over their own community and talk about where they want to see it go in terms of being guided by its values, by the shared values of the people that are in the room, rather than simply relying on rules and um, and laws to guide us because they're not they're not getting us to where we want to go. And it's this incredible, incredibly powerful experience for us to be able to participate in. And, um, and, and so far there's been a one-to-one um, correlation between places where we've shown the film and Eric has done his um, facilitated circle afterward and places that want to bring us back. 
and, and are, or are doing their own work now if they weren't before, or are sort of reinvigorating into the work of restorative justice where perhaps it's grown stagnant or kind of lost its mojo. Um, and so this is, this is, um, this is like, this is where our, our, our life is. So that at least the, for me, at least the next year, and I think this is a, this is the lifelong work of Eric. Um, so there's no <laughs> expiration date <laughs> for, for having him come to your community. Um, but as you mentioned, um, people can uh, go onto our website, circlesmovie.com. Uh, our contact information is there. We're also on Facebook at Restorative Justice Film. Um, you can dial in, become part of the conversation, invite us to your community, find partners, because usually there's already somebody in your community that said, we want to bring you out here. We're just trying to put together the money for it. Um, and, and, but the, the idea is for us to just start building connections where, wherever we go and really bringing together this movement as one movement that is in conversation with all its other parts. I want to give Eric, thank you, Cassidy. I want to give Eric a chance to respond also, but um, I have a question coming in from the webcast um, asking if there's a screening scheduled in the Bay Area. Yeah, so um, that's, that's a great question. Uh, on uh, Actually, tomorrow we're going to be um, meeting with the head of the Oakland Unified School District and talking with the, um, the director of the Oakland International Film Festival. And um, we are planning a series of public screenings that will be housed. The venues will be inside Oakland schools. Um, and that will be over the course of this academic school year. Um, and we'll, as soon as we've locked in dates and venues, um, we're going to post those on our, uh, both on our, on our website and on our Facebook page. Um, but uh, we, you know, they, they'll be open to the public, and we, we really hope you can come. And I, I do want to mention, too, on that note, that you were just at the UC Berkeley School of Law, and there's a great yeah. video there of, of the work that you did with that group in uh, Bolt Hall, I believe, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah and that's on our Facebook oh. page as well. Great. E Eric, anything you want to yeah. add to that about uh, well, what you're, you know, what the next couple months are going to be like here? Well, um, I, Cass Cassidy kind of summed it up. Um, the, the places that we've been, we've been able to um, to have these really, really good. Um, conversations, these really fruitful conversations afterwards, they're, they're usually on the lines of um, kids in schools, prison, uh, school to prison pipeline, but they often venture out into conversations about race and, 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 and that kind of thing. Um, it, it just kind of, when I was a kid, there was scary, the best way to watch a scary movie was to put on 3D glasses, and I think that the conversation is kind of like putting on the 3D glasses um, for, for for the movie. Um, it's they're, they're really really good, and I would just encourage people to come whenever they can, and and and, and let's um let's build community and 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 shift this culture. And and Eric, thank you. Um, Earlier in this conversation, we were talking about Tier 1 practices, and it sounds like you're doing a community-building circle everywhere you go. 
which is in, you know, it could be termed a tier one practice. And I just want to clarify for people, again, a tier one practice uh, in, you know, the terminology applies to what is called restorative justice and education in current studies. And there's a book out, out right now that actually includes a study of some of your work, Eric, I believe, um, from Dr. Martha Brown. Is that correct? I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> right, well, anyway, it's called, it's called Creating Restorative Schools. And I believe um, some of your work in, with OUSD is included in that study. So I, I just wanted to add sure. that as a side note. Um, but well, Eric, when you yeah. guys are out there listening and interacting with, uh, with schools, uh, especially with schools, but I know that you can basically visit anywhere in a community. Um, what are some points that you're noticing um, where you go uh, around specific challenges that people are seeing? I know, I know Cassidy has been mentioning the edge of restorative justice. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing? Um, that there is a misconception about what restorative justice is. Um, on it, it just looks like it's a tool to um, to fix black boys, and um, it. I'm seeing that there's a fear in in building these relationships, and the fear comes from the unknown, and sometimes the um, the perception of what the what the known is, um, and 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 breaking down those walls of assumption. Um, becomes a really, really difficult task for um, for adults. So, in, in in my experiences with restorative justice, period is the um, is learning that as far as social education, we really don't have a kid problem, but we definitely have an adult problem. <laughs> I'm I'm just letting it be silent there for a moment because that that just seems like a very poignant point. Um, yeah. So I've got another question here, if if I may. Um, mm -hmm. It's from Tina, and she says I'm working with an organization which is seeking to interrupt the school to prison pipeline in Houston. I would love to have you guys come screen the film and speak. Um, and she asks again, what is the best way to contact everyone? So um, I know I just want to mention, too, that, Eric, you have your own website, as do you, Cassidy, but we want to point people to circlesmovie.com. And then um, Eric's, Eric's website, Talking Peace, is a great resource for more information about Eric and his history. And then Cassidy you've got um, the Stories That Matter website as well, right, for your production Right, company. Stories Matter Media, yeah. Excuse me, yeah, Stories Matter Media, great. Um, right. So, Eric, you want to respond to Tina real quick, please? Um, the, um, well, you can, we, we, um, we do trainings all around the country, and I could definitely be contacted um, through um, Restorative Justice with Eric Butler, um, um, but we definitely gear our trainings um, toward building relationships and community, and, and, and oftentimes that runs right into cultural competence and, um, and understanding why behaviors for certain groups of people happen. And once we um, learn that, we start to 
to really understand it and, and, and own it. So, um, and, and there's a way to teach people to be open to those ideas. Um, it's, all, it's really all about approach. So I've, 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 yeah. that's, that's a great question, and I wish that we can um, have more conversation conversations about it. Right. You know, um, Eric, it sounds to me like you guys both, when you come and screen a film, uh, you can also tailor something in addition while you're there. Is that what I'm hearing? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To tailor an additional yeah, training or, or something. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, we, when, when, we, when we do the film, there's definitely an opportunity where you get to feel what you just saw. And, and I think the, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, our, our, kind, our kind of ideal scenario is showing the film, which is 82 minutes long, followed by at least an hour and a half of uh, facilitation by Eric. And and if we can if we can find time for that, um, we we can we can do sort of you know what we can we can do something that'll be just deeply satisfying in terms of creating the connection and sort of supporting the the ideas that we really are excited to get across. Um, and and mm-hmm. beyond that, we can go any direction. I mean, while we're traveling across the country, we're going to be tra- training DA's offices, um, going into public school systems, um, going to be at festivals where we're engaging with the mainstream public. Um, we're going to, you know, there, there's no, you know, we're hopefully going to be meeting with, um, Eric used to play with the Indianapolis Colts, hopefully going to be meeting with um, some of the players there um, who, you know, 15 of whom took a knee during the national anthem because they don't feel like they have a voice. And so, like, you know, mm-hmm. like this is, this is, this is, humanity work it's not just only mm-hmm. broken school system work right right so definitely open to a lot of different pockets um wide right. varieties of professions and and community agencies is what i'm hearing thank you right um right. i'd like to if i may guys um we're getting some questions from our live audience as well so um just a reminder to those of you that are here um through the, the telephone line press star two to raise your hand and i just want to welcome anouk for i hope i'm pronouncing your name correctly it's um anouk from texas welcome Are you there? Yes, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes, can Hello? hear you. Great. Oh, Welcome. Right. I'm sorry I had the mute. Oh, thank you. Um, actually, I don't know why Anouk came up. That's my daughter's name, so I can figure that out later on. But I'm, I'm <laughs> grateful, uh, in, in hearing it's technology, right? So um, the, 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 um, I'm actually I'm inspired for various reasons. I, I want to claim to also know Tina from Houston, and it seems very uh, synchronous. To, to to actually be moving in this direction. And one of the questions I had as an educator was, I, I understand the touring and the showing of the film. It has great impact. The idea to also include an actual felt sense of the film by building community through the actual facilitation of it will give, I'm imagining, will give us um, a real sense of what is possible so that we're not 
just left with the idea of, of this hope, but not necessarily a vision for how it can unfold. And my question really is around how do you, so we have this experience, we have the film, we have the experience after the film. How have you thought about setting up uh, sustainability? So people can come away incredibly inspired, uh, both because of the film and because of the experience. But mm -hmm. um, is there thought around uh, possible structures to consider exploring in order to make things sustainable so that it continues to expand and it continues to work through its magic with communities mm -hmm. that need to hear it but may not have the chance to experience it? Right. Um, that's and, and, and that's what we're hoping for. We're, we're hoping that we can grab everybody that we can because along with that, um, which we sell that we, we never have enough time to do, is an actual training. Um, and um, we've—I don't think that we've been to one place that didn't um, at least um, explore the possibility of doing the training. So um, in the training, um, there's implementation ideas and 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 and, real, and some fundamental stuff, and and some stuff that just comes automatically. And it's about thinking and building community and um, and and just being the um the, the contagious force in order to make that happen the chicken and, and if i can watch out and if i can just if i can just add i mean just some concrete examples to um one one of my favorite was we went to oxford mississippi which had no restorative justice program and um we had a great we you know, showed the film uh, as part of the film festival. Then we sat down with a handful of administrators, principals, parents, other stakeholders, because it's so important not just to have it be a top-down thing, but to really get all the stakeholders there in the room, having a conversation where we're not telling you what to do, but we're supporting and kind of guiding the process that is going to work best for you. And in Oxford, Mississippi, um, there's actually a great article that was written by the um, the newspaper there about how our our um, our interactions with the folks led to them forming a committee that then went within a week to um, to talk to the school board and then they started developing an initiative that they're working on now to implement restorative justice in the school district, starting with you know a, a handful of schools and then expanding. And, and, and that's just an ongoing conversation with us where they say, well, when, when you were doing it in Oakland, when you ran into this, what did you do? Or, or another common question is, well, that's, Eric, you know, Eric, you've been so helpful, but we're running into teachers who are saying, this is, this is all great, we all believe in this work, but I have to teach STEM, and you're, asking, you're adding on this restorative justice component. Part of our impact team is an incredible teacher who's also an expert in restorative justice named Cece Jordan, and she has cultivated restorative justice so it's in the fabric of her classroom that, that she mm -hmm. leads. I mean, it's truly a restorative classroom. And so, so usually we'll sort of our, – our, our team is comprised of people who can kind of help guide you and sort of across the tiers of restorative justice, but also – um, as you hit those sticking points, people who've had to live it, because I'm not a teacher. Eric is a teacher but hasn't ever, you know, led a, a classroom um, where he was responsible for teaching STEM. So 
we want to we want to be as supportive as we can give the scaffolding that we can in an ongoing way and we have the capacity to do it yes uh, and i think that the truth is that there's a lot of people doing restorative justice uh it just yeah. seems that maybe now and given the urgency i think of the times there's a particular need to actually create network like i think supportive networks so i'm just now finding out of the amount of resources here in houston uh, Anita mm. Wadba does things in high schools. Uh, so there's actually people doing things, um, and we're not even connected locally. Uh, and so what I heard you say is the idea that you are committed to long-term scaffolding or supporting, but ultimately mm -hmm. in my mind it's to create those kind of uh, local pods or hubs that are, are actually working and, and maybe then sharing like a, an, the idea of cross-pollinating resources and strategies yeah. so that, first of all, we don't feel so isolated. But it does seem like the film and what you do personally can create that little um, ignites things, so that the things yeah, that were yes. already there can actually connect with each other and, and then create strength. Yeah. Right on. Oh, thank yeah, you, guys. Yeah, thank you so idea. much for what you're doing. <laughs> thank you. Mm. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, so appreciate your participation and all the work that you're doing there in Houston. Yeah. And, um I, I would like to just share one more question, if I may, Eric and Cassidy, um, and it's about North Carolina. <laughs> so um, Linda yeah. says, uh, I would love to see this in North Carolina. Do you have any screenings planned here? The Restorative Justice Clinic at Campbell Law University in Raleigh, North Carolina, is very active in circle work in the schools, community, and prisons. Please let me know how I can help to bring your, your film here. And she says she'll follow up on your website and thanks you for your awesome conversation today and for all that you do, both do. So right on. That's thank so, you, that's Linda. So, that, yes. Um, and, and just to, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely follow up, reach out to us. But, I mean, it's actually the, the timing is perfect. We were just reached out to by somebody who's doing the work in Asheville, and a professor at Duke. So um, it sounds like it's time for a North Carolina tour. Right and and certainly for for everyone. Sorry, Eric. Go ahead. No, no. I was I was saying yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Great. So I just wanted to remind people though that if you signed up through, of course, our our registration, you had an opportunity to check a box saying, would you like someone to contact you? Um, if you know of other people who would like to go through the registration process just for that reason, um, please send them to today's registration form, which was included in the email that was sent out. It's not too late for people to go there and to sign up to have someone reach out to them from the Circles team. Just a reminder to you all for that. Um, and Again, um, just uh, maybe a few closing comments. I know we've run uh, about to our capacity time today. Um, it's been an extraordinary conversation with you both and with those Thank who've you. been here. Um, closing comments, anything else that you'd like to make sure is known before we say g goodbye today? Well, uh, so just as a close for me, um, I think I talked a lot about what restorative justice is not. Um, what restorative justice actually is, is a way of us finding out 
what our common value system is, and and then figuring out a way to use those values to penetrate the needs of our community. Yeah. Mm. Can I use that as my elevator speech, Eric? <laughs> you better. Um, ho- hopefully. <laughs> I, I love that. That's that's the best nutshell of restorative justice yeah. that I've heard. Yeah. And and yeah. and and my and my my closing thought just kind of um is is the the filmmaker equivalent of what he just said, which is um I think Eric's definition is as close as you can get to conveying what the heart of this work is. Um, without showing it, and um, but I don't think that restorative justice can be communicated without showing, and I think that's one of the shortcomings of it, that, that we're finding in this movement. I think when we hear about stagnation happening in restorative justice pockets of where this restorative justice has taken hold, maybe even you know decades ago, and they're they're kind of flatlining. I think that's that's the problem. They haven't gotten the they're not doing the the work and when you're not doing the actual work and showing people what it looks like, there's no way people can sort of hang on to the labels and the sort of the, the principles of restorative justice in a way that's real enough so they feel confident to be able to start doing this on Monday. Um and um and so it's why we made the film. Um, and it's why I think the, this film can be so powerful. But I also call on anybody out there who's who's in this line of work and, and feeling like they're having a hard time communicating it. If you don't, even if you don't invite us to your neck of the woods, that's fine. Make your own videos and get rid of the talking head. Um, stop mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. about restorative justice. Do it. Film it. Find a way to to do it. If you want to talk to us about what our process was like and building relationships with people so that they feel comfortable having a live circle film, we're all about those conversations. We want this to be as open source as possible, and we want it to spread like Eric said, like chicken pox. <laughs> so the only way we're going to be able to do that is um, is people reaching out to us. We're reaching out to as many folks as we can. And let's build the media um, that exists for this work. And I appreciate you, Molly, for doing what you're doing because this is this is this is the media that's going to change the whole the the world that we live in. That's right. Mm. Well, parting is sweet sorrow, and this has been an <laughs> extraordinary dive with you both. Um, thank <laughs> you so much, guys. Cassidy Friedman, Director of Circles, and Eric Butler, Extraordinary Restorative Justice Coordinator and Workshop um, Trainer, and so many things both of you guys are. Thank you so much for your time today and your willingness to go out there into the world and show and live it. And um, if you want more information, of course, again, about getting circles in your community, having a workshop tailored to your needs, go to circlesmovie.com. That's all one word, circlesmovie.com. And this podcast episode will be posted at Restorative Justice on the Rise so that you can pass it along. So please do and make sure that people find out about how to reach um, out, get a hold of Eric and Cassidy and their team. And it's been an honor 
I'm Molly Rowan Leach. Until next week. When we host Cheryl Wilson, who is the president of the National Association for Communities and Restorative Justice. We're looking forward to talking with her around specific topics as well as to touch bases around the upcoming June 2019 National Conference in Denver, Colorado. For more information about Restorative Justice on the Rise, please visit restorativejusticeontherise.org. Thank you for joining us and for your participation in this work. See you next time.